Well, uh, good evening, church. God bless you, 2020 graduates. And hello to everyone that is watching us online. I know many of you are connecting still with us online, and so we want to thank you for taking time to just invite us to wherever you are to connect and to listen to God's word. I pray tonight's word is refreshing to you and encouraging to you. If you would allow me, please, let's go ahead and start with a word of prayer. We'll pray for the message, but I'd also want to include uh, a family that we love dearly, a ministry family. They're friends of ours from Sao Paulo, Brazil. Uh, it's a pastor friend of mine, Pastor Alberto Resende. Uh, he, I just got a text. He, he was struggling with COVID, but he passed away about five minutes ago. And so we're hurting, but we are believing that he went to a better mission than, than he had down here. And he uh, had over 5,000 daughter churches in Sao Paulo. So just an incredible ministry man. We want to pray for his family and then pray for the message. Can you bow your heads with me, please? Father God, we thank you because you are awesome. We thank you that you are sitting on the throne. And because of that authority, we can step out. Because of that authority, we can go out by faith, declaring, Lord, that all is well that you are in control, that you are the King of kings and Lord of our destiny. And so we thank you, Lord, tonight for the word that we get to share with the congregation. Lord, I pray that you would bless our pastor as he's taking some time to rest. Lord, uh, after being for several months here working day in and day out, we do bless Pastor Colin Alice. Father, we also bless uh, the Resende family uh, down in Sao Paulo. We ask for your mercy and for your comfort, that comfort of the Holy Spirit that can only come from you. Lord, I pray um, just his wife would be comforted tonight. We pray and trust you for this. Lord, I pray for that church and ask you to bring perfect order in that situation. Is what I pray right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, tonight uh, we're going to go to the book of Esther. And... I'm not necessarily going to focus on the usual heroine of the story, which is Esther. Uh, the, boor, the book literally bears her name. Rather, we're going to focus on an unsung hero. His name is Mordecai. So say with me, Mordecai. In Spanish, Mardoqueo. Say with me, Mardoqueo. All right, you got it. If you've ever felt ignored, passed over, if you've ever felt like you've prayed some prayers and you're just not getting those answers, this message is for you. Looking at the incredible book of Esther, we know she's the center of attention, but there is this incredible secondary figure from which we can learn tonight. There is this incredible secondary figure who just, just shines in the decisions that he made. And the decisions that he made literally turned the history of a nation, turn the history of a nation. And so tonight I want to share with you on the, on the theme, I've been planted, not buried, or planted, not buried. Say with me, I've been planted. Say it again, I've been planted, I've been planted. By, the Lord, by the Lord, not buried. Amen. I want to speak on seven decisions that Mordecai made and how that just turned literally history and transformed it. And so if you're taking notes, you can write one to seven, because we're going to go through them uh, together. If we 
look at the people on the story, just to mention the important people in the story. We have the king, who is a non-believer, and the queen, Esther, who is from God's chosen people. Then we have two royal servants. One is Haman, who is an unbeliever, and Mordecai, who is from God's chosen people. And so looking at his life and looking at the decisions he made, the first decision that marks Mordecai is that he held strong to the faith of his people. He held strong, say with me, strong, to the faith of his people or his fathers. Esther 2, 5 and 6, if you can go with me there. We'll stay a little bit in the book of Esther tonight. Chapter 2, verse 5 and 6 in the ESV, the Word of God says, Now there was a Jew in Susa, the citadel or capital, whose name was Mordecai, the son of Jair, son of Shemel, son of Kish, a Benjaminite who had been carried away from Jerusalem among the captives, carried away with Jeconiah, the king of Judah, whom Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, had carried away. The way the narrative opens here, it sounds like the great opening to a story. And it's very polished writing. But encapsulated in these verses, there is major trauma that is unspoken. For when a nation captured another nation, it wasn't a polite event. It was a violent event with strength, rage, and abuses. And so Nebuchadnezzar and his family... He mentions he was brought with the king. We don't know if he already was involved in the royal family, but all we know is that he is uh, taken as captive or a slave to Persia, to this new land where they, he, does, he doesn't speak the language, he doesn't know the culture. He probably went through some major challenges, and all of that is unspoken, but it is encapsulated right there on that verse. Major trauma on the life of Mordecai. Okay, And so his actions revealed that he was a man of great faith, of actually generational faith. I love that he persevered with his faith in the Lord because he was faithful in his faith three generations back while his family was. And here it is three generations after and he still serves the Lord in a faithful manner. I want to be that kind of man. A generational faith type of man that the son of the son of the son of the son continues to stay strong and steadfast in the walk of the Lord. That's the kind of families we ought to have. Can I get an amen on that? He held strong to the generations and trauma to the faith of his fathers. Probably it was that faith that allowed him to overcome the trauma. Can I get an amen? See, what happens is a lot of people... We could talk about provenance, where you came from. A lot of people use provenance or defeat or abuse as the excuse to leave defeated lives. Oh, I went through this and this and this and that. Therefore, look at me, pitiful life, right? Pitiful family. My grandfather was this, my father was that, and look at me now. And so you can, you can, you can rely on that crotch of, 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 of provenance or you, can, or you can overcome by the faith that empowers you through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of Jesus. That's your choice. And so he chose to overcome, and I love that. 
I love that. This man overcame incredible odds. I am reminded of this past Father's Day. We, um, you know, typical Father's Day, I'm in bed, family comes in, they bring me breakfast, which was awesome, and gifts, and Margarita, my wife, uh, who's here tonight, love you, honey, she gives me this card. Don't remember exactly what the word says, but it says something like, we've loved each other, we've been through each other, we've been together, and we've survived. And I thought that was a great card. That was one of the best greeting cards. I was very sensitive on Father's Day because we've survived some, some difficult situations recently, and so just hearing her say we survived, I just I almost broke down. I'm like, honey, give me a hug. Because, you know, it touches you to realize that you've overcome some things. And that only by the strength of the Lord we've been able to make it here. How many of you can say, if it wasn't by the strength of the Lord, I would not be sitting here tonight. I know many of you have been through journeys and difficulty and things that you can say, yeah, I can be a part of that group as well. I'm a survivor. All right? And I'm here by the grace of God. And I'm here by his strength. And so that is the, 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 echo, the sentiment that is echoed, all right, in the situation where Mordecai finds himself. And so even though he went through captivity and exile, he is part of the royal court. Uh, he is at the gate. He is... Um, you know, he never forsook the faith of his, of his fathers. I am impressed by that. For Mordecai, the fear of the Lord was the beginning of all wisdom. Because the decisions he made after this just proved that he had to be a man wise in the fear of the Lord. Can I get an amen on that? Did you know that you are called to preserve the faith of your family? Let me ask that again. Did you know that you are called to preserve the faith of your family? And I'm talking about the faith in Jesus Christ. The amens should be so loud that you, that you like shut my ears when I say that. We have been called to preserve the faith of our family. Can I get an amen? Amen. The second decision that impresses me from Mordecai is that he made sure to provide for his family. Mordecai made sure he provided for his family. Esther 2.7 says, he was bringing up Hadassah, that is Esther, the daughter of his uncle, for she had neither father nor mother. The young woman had a beautiful figure and was lovely to look at, and when her father and her mother died, Mordecai took her as his own daughter. Interesting. Not only do I see a godly man, I see a compassionate man. Who, when he saw a situation of need, when he saw a situation in his family that was difficult, the loss of the father and the mother of this young girl, he said, I'll take care of her. I'll provide for her. He stepped up. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. And the Bible says that the Lord watches for the orphan and the widow. That the Lord blesses and provides for and protects the orphan and the widow. So don't you think that God wasn't observing? Don't you think that God wasn't taking note as he's taking care of that orphan and saying, I'll take care of her. God's like, whoever gives to the poor, he, they lend to God. You understand? That the, he's accumulating some decisions here that are meant to have an outcome of blessing. That's what we see happening in the narrative. 
Mordecai adopted his younger cousin. He took care of her. How many grandpas and grandmas here are taking care of their grandchildren as if they were their own kids? How many grandmas and papas here? You're taking care of your kids and you're the kids of your kids. Way to go for those of you who are stepping up for those who can't. God will bless you for that. God will bless you for that. The third decision that impresses me from Mordecai is that he served faithfully even when others failed to recognize him. He served faithfully. Can you say with me, faithfully? faithfully. If there's one word that can describe Mordecai, is the word faithful. You can see a pattern of faithfulness throughout. It's powerful to observe. So Esther, chapter 2, verse 21, the Word of God says, In those days, as Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, Bictan and Teresh, two of the king's eunuchs who guarded the threshold, became angry and sought to lay handsome king Ahasuerus. Wow, this is tough for a Puerto Rican accent, but I'm going to continue to pronounce those names. <laughs> and this came to the knowledge of Mordecai, and he told it to Queen Esther. And Esther told the king in the name of, Mor in the name of Mordecai. Now, when the affair was investigated and found to be so, the men who were going to kill the king, guys, they were both hanged on the gallows. Okay? So he investigated the situation. He reported it. And justice was served to protect the king. That was awesome. Way to go, Mordecai. That's like CIA stuff. All right? Look at the next verse. And these things, King Ahasuerus, pro and after these things, I'm sorry, King Ahat, that's what I'm going to say, promoted Haman the Agatite, the son of Hamidatha, and advanced him and set his throne above all the officials who were with him. Wait a minute. Did you catch what I just read? Mordecai risks his life. Mordecai thwarts uh, an, an attack uh, that conspired against the king. And who gets promoted after these things? Haman the Agatite got promoted. Wow, okay, well that, that burns. That's tough. Have you been in that, in that situation? Have you been in that situation? You serve your boss faithfully, you, you do your best, you do everything that you know needs to be done, and when the promotion time comes, someone else gets the promotion. Woo, that's tough. That can test your character as a believer. Really can. He's serving the king faithfully. He, he, he's serving without recognition. He's serving in the background. All right? My question to you tonight is, can you serve, can you trust God when things go the opposite of what you expected? Can you trust God when things go the opposite of what you expected? Second question, can you still praise the Lord when someone else gets the promotion? Not many amens, I know. It's tough. Do you have your full confidence in God's providential care? Do you? Great leaders have the ability to work behind the scenes. And graduates, if you learn this, learn it now. You probably are doing it already in ministry. You work behind the scenes and you work unto the Lord. Because you know who's watching you? He's watching you. He's taking note. And he himself will reward you. Just you wait. When others get promoted, you may feel like you're buried because dirt's thrown at you or shade's thrown at you and you're like, ah, are you serious? 
but wait because the Lord, the Lord's watching and the Lord is observing and he will bless you. He could be up to something. James 4.10 says, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. So in a situation when there is injustice and you feel like you have the right to take vengeance or grief, try humility and wait on the Lord because he will, he will fight for you. Can I get an amen on that? Mordecai waited for his due time. He was faithful despite. He was faithful unto the Lord. And that impresses me. Next, he withstood the pressures of culture and government. He withstood or resisted the pressures of culture and government. Esther 3, verse 2 and 4. And all the king's servants who were at the king's gate bowed down and paid homage to Haman, for the king had so commanded concerning him. So, okay, so now this guy who was promoted before him is saying, hey, and by the way, when I walk, I need you all to bow to me and shine my shoes and kiss my ring. So talk about, you know, talk about shame, right? Like he, he, he was passed for the promotion and now the guy that, 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 that rose instead of him is above him, okay, his throne is higher and by law everyone has to bow to him. There's a problem though. Mordecai serves the Lord, the God of Israel. And he's not going to bow to a man. He is not going to bow to a man. He only bows to God. So when everyone else is bowing, is bowing down, Mordecai is staying up at the risk of getting in trouble with the law. That reminds us of several other people in the Bible who did that. Do you have what it takes to stand when others bow? Do you have what it takes when the pressure of culture when the pressure of even government or laws that come against what God ordained come against you, can you stand and not bow to them? That's what Mordecai did. Though it is unfair, many times your faith will make you a target. At work, many of you can say amen to that. At work, your faith may make you a target. And yes, it may appear or feel unfair. Be careful with the proud man, for they will hate the believer. They will hate believers. Many of you have been treated unfair at work because of your faith. And guys, the more the, the closer we are to the coming of the Lord, the more countercultural believers appear. And that's the way it should be. But that means we stick out like a sore thumb. That's good. We should. We're light, and we don't hide the light under a pot. Can I get an amen on that? So stick out proudly, but stick out for the Lord, all right, like Mordecai. And so at times there'll be conflicted demands for your obedience, and you have to make that difficult choice. Believe me, when you obey the Lord, it is completely worth it. Believe me, the disciples at one time were being persecuted. They were told not to preach, and they prayed, and they said, Lord, give us your boldness that we may preach your name despite their attacks, despite their threats. We feel them, they are real. Christianity is not for Mickey Mouse people, for wishy-washy Christians. No, 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 no. It's for tough guys and tough women who can stand up in situations of pressure, of pressure. And can we stand and feel the heat 
and pay the price. Who's willing to pay the price for Jesus? Stand up for your faith. It's hard, stand up for your faith anyway. The next thing that impresses me about Mordecai, we're, we're almost closing, it says, in his time of trouble, he humbled himself before the Lord. Esther 4.1. I'm not gonna read everything, but he, there is a threat now, because Haman says, oh, he's not gonna bow? We're gonna make a law that we're gonna kill all Jews, because we found out he's a Jew. And so now, there's a, an edict, literally, to go ahead and kill every Jew, every believer. And Mordecai, you know, rips his clothes and dresses with sackcloth and, and just take, you know, takes a moment to fast and humble himself before the Lord. Remember when we were talking about when there's trouble, when there's tensions, choose humility? This is not like next level humility. He's like sackcloth, like completely ashes, the whole deal, Lord. Jesus, if you don't save me, if you don't come and intervene, I don't know what's going to happen. I need you. Fasting, what a great tool for the believer. It's not just for January's faith assembly's fast. You can fast other days of the year too. It's okay to fast. It's a tool that you have. And there are moments in which you have to seek the Lord with prayer and fasting. When your life is at risk to such a degree... You better start praying and you better start fasting to see the breakthrough of the Lord. Because Mordecai knew how to, how to get the attention of the Lord. He knew it. He knew by doing that he would get the Lord's attention. Have gotten the Lord's attention lately or recently? Or are you praying Mickey Mouse prayers and God's like, gee, God's moved when we are moved with passion for him. Not many amens. I hope you're thinking about what I'm saying. Next thing, he spoke up on behalf of God's people. Esther 4, 12 to 14. I need to read this. It says, and they told Mordecai what Esther had said. Then, because when he first told Esther, you need to say something to the king. They're going to kill us. She said, ah, you know, I can't just go into the king's presence. They could kill me. So, I mean, there was some resistance from Esther. She didn't really want to do it. She had a moment, you know, a weakness like, like every human, all right? But Mordecai spoke up. He spoke up. It says, Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, do not think to yourself that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom. When? For such a time as this. He's the one that coined the most famous phrase of the book of Esther. It's him. It's Mordecai who coined the phrase. So he's saying, you better speak up. For us, we're family. You better say something. Maybe he said, I took care of you. Take care of us. I don't know. But he's... He knows what needs to be done. This, the, the, guys, there's a time to be silent and a time to speak, the Bible says. There's times that you need to speak. When there's injustice, you speak. When there's oppression, you speak up. And you speak up against it and you rise up. That's our job as a believer. And so he's like, Esther, you, 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 sorry, but you can't get out of this one. If you don't speak up, you're going to die. We're going to die. 
The Lord's going to deliver us no matter what. Like his faith is so. Look at this statement. He says, for if you keep silent, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. In other words, he's like, I believe God so much that whether you say something, God will deliver us no matter what. That you have the chance to do something. What if you're being put in a position of power to be the instrument of deliverance for our people? What if you rose to that moment in the, in the, in the king's throne, in the, in the court, to speak for the least, for the oppressed? What if you, you, right here in this congregation, have been given power by God, a position of influence or power of any kind, to be a blessing to the least of these? What if? You've been called for such a time as this. I recall a, a missionary that called us uh, missionaries from Argentina that were serving in India. And I just got this random call. Hey, Pastor Marcos, uh, can you help us buy an air conditioner? I said, sure, tell me, tell me about it. He goes, well, you know, we're ministering in India. The temperatures are getting to 130 degrees. And it's unbearable. We're doing ministry. We're doing it for Jesus. But we really need an air conditioning. He said 130 degrees. I mean, I come from the tropics, but that's, that's high. That's very high. I don't think I've experienced that type of temperature. And I said, well, I mean, sure, let me talk to Pastor Carl. We'll figure this out. And uh, I said, how much? He said, oh, it's, I'm sorry, but it's, it's, sorry, but it, it's $250. He, said, he was saying that like if it's a lot of money. And I, I mean, my heart just, I was like, oh my gosh. I said, yeah, well, I'll tell you, I'll let you know. I knew what Pastor Carl was going to say, but I'm like, Pastor, you know, I went to his office. I'm like, these missionaries are literally frying up. They need an air conditioning unit. He said, how much? I said, 250 He said, let's buy it. I said, awesome, thank you. So I go to him and I call him. He says, I've been calling churches all day and I've been getting no's. And I remembered you, that you are now pastoring at Faith Assembly. He remembered me from the other church I was serving at. And he said, when I said, listen, our pastor said yes, that you can, that you can have it. He almost started crying. And he sa started speaking a word and he said, God has called you as a Joseph to the Latinos. And I'm like, whoa, I said, Joseph? And I knew what he meant at that moment. It's the same principle. A person is put in a possession of in a position of power to bless his kingship, his kind, his people. Don't forget where you came from. Don't forget where you came from. No matter how far God takes you, don't forget where you came from. When he said, God has called you as a Joseph, I, that word went straight into my heart. And I knelt down and I thank God for being able to be an instrument of blessing to him, which honestly wasn't that big of a deal, but for him it really was. So praise God for that moment. Uh, speak up on behalf of God's people. Can I get an amen? amen? Wait on the Lord for his promotion. All right? Wait on the Lord for his promotion. The moment came in the events, and I want you to go home and read Esther yourself because it's a pretty incredible book. It's really short. Uh, but the moment came in which the enemy of Mordecai was, you know, the king asked them, Haman, he said, how should I... How should I honor the man that, that the king delights on? Because you know what? Let me tell you how good God is. Remember that, remember that Mordecai had saved the king's life? Do you remember that? Earlier we talked about it. 
The Bible says the king went to sleep and the Lord reminded him, you need to go read the, the history. And when he opened the books of his own history as a king, he read, Mordecai saved your life. So he's like, have we not rewarded Mordecai? And everybody's like, no, no one. We forgot. I, I, I didn't know. Like, and he's like, are you kidding me? Call Haman, the guy who's the enemy. He's like, how should I reward a man that my heart delights in? And so Haman came up with this extravagant way to, to honor because he thought it was for him. He said, <clears throat> well, how do you honor the, the man that, God, that the king loves? Well, you know, you put a robe and give him a crown. You put him on the royal horse and you take him through the streets and you say, this is what the king does to the man that the king's delights on. And so there was this whole elaborate thing. And then the king says, oh, really, the great idea. Call Mordecai because I want to honor him. I want to honor him. Mordecai needs a crown. He needs a robe. He needs my ring. We are making a change here actually he's promoted and by the way in the turn of events you're dead because you're the one who's been trying to mess with my wife and her, her people and so you go to the gallows instead of him and so the Lord turned things around for his glory for his glory Mordecai waited on his promotion church wait for the Lord to promote you wait for the Lord to promote you graduates wait for the Lord to promote you the Lord watches the Lord sees the Lord takes note the Lord will lift you up <clears throat> I'm gonna ask the worshipers to come as we get ready to pray here in a second um, but I have a I want to close with a with, with two verses that I want to give you as a word of God for you they've been on my heart really heavy and they relate to what? To the story of Mordecai. Isaiah 43, verse 18 and 19. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19. If you've been passed over by someone, if you've been forgotten by someone, if you were promised something, but they never gave it to you, if you pray some prayers, and instead of you thinking this thing was going to happen, the opposite happened. If you go through some trauma, like Mordecai, let me tell you what the Lord wants to tell you tonight. Isaiah 43, verse 18. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. The Lord doesn't want you to dwell on the things that have occurred. At some point, he's asking you to release those, to release those. Not easy, but it's what the word is saying. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? So here's Mordecai who is buried and buried and buried and buried and forgotten. But it happens that he wasn't buried. No, 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 no. He was planted there by, the, there by the Lord to be the instrument of deliverance for his people. He was the key that unlocked deliverance for the people of Israel and preserved the Davidic line through which the Messiah would come. It was that moment of Mordecai pressing in. And yes, of course, Esther following through. And the, the people of God fasting while they're doing all that. There's a whole teamwork effort happening here. But the moment comes where it's no longer buried. So if you feel like you're buried, you just, no one sees you. There's just ground and you underneath. 
you're a seed. And the Lord says, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. In other words, tranquilo, relax. It's going to come up. It's going to spring up. What I've put in you is going to come up. What I've sown in you is going to spring up. The words I've spoken over you are going to happen. I am God. I don't lie. I'm a God of truth. It's going to spring up. Do you not perceive it? Someone's like, that's like, like, you know, like kind of grabbing you by the neck a little bit. And like, do you see what I'm about to do? Do you perceive? Do you discern the times we're living in? Do you understand we're living in the last days? Do you get it that these are days of the supernatural and the miraculous? Are you ready to see the glory of the Lord, church? Prepare. Perceive it and prepare. It says, I'm going to make a way in the wilderness. Doesn't 2020 sound like a wilderness? A crazy wilderness? I'm going to make a way, he says, in the midst of the wilderness. I'm going to make a way for you and you. I'm going to make a way. I'm the one who opens up the wilderness and declares a simple, clear path that has no delay and no distraction and no stumbling rock for you to walk. And then it says, and I'm going to put rivers in the desert. That to me speaks of supernatural provision. That reminds you of the water that came from the rock in Israel. Rivers in the desert. The Lord's going to provide for you from when you least expect it. Even from a rock even from a very dry moment in which you find yourself right now, the Lord says, I can bring water out of that because I'm God. You relax. You obey me. You wait for me. You remain faithful. And let me promote you. Let me promote you. Can I get an amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Bow your heads. We're going to pray. Lord, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that your word is true. And tonight we can trust it. We can trust it. And live it out. So tonight I pray, God, that as a church, each of us may be able to heal from traumas, to forget the former things, and perceive the new thing that you are doing. Oh, God, please take off the negativity from my eyes, the sadness, the, the bad news, the, everything that is trying to oppress even the things we see in our eyes every single day, the wilderness, God, that sometimes confuses us. I speak peace, and I speak clarity, and I speak the mind of Christ over everyone here. Lord, I pray and declare that you are going to do a new thing in us, that you're going to spring forth a new powerful work in our lives, and it starts today. I declare, Lord, away the wilderness and a river in the desert. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Thank you, God. And everybody said, amen and amen.